Welcome back to Three Sports Rankers Series 2. We're finally back. We finally found a date when the three of us could get together. Sam, Callum, but that doesn't in turn mean that we are Lola-less today. We are Lola-less today. Sad it's a face. sad day, yeah. Although the office is carpeted, so even if she was here, we wouldn't get the, the pitter-patter that we're used to. Um, if this is your first time with us, uh, this is the sports podcast where two of us uh, debate the chosen topic of the host to create the ultimate sporting podium, the host giving their verdict at the end, deciding where the medals are dished out. And uh, Callum, we've got a couple of changes this time, haven't we? We've reassessed in the pre-season and we're, we're coming back uh, fresher with a few few different ideas. Yeah, we've got a couple of, couple of new ideas for season two. Welcome back if you did listen to us in season one. Sorry it's taken us so long, but schedules are what they are in our industry and it's... Uh, I've, I've had a rough pre-season as well. You've had a rough pre-season, surgery, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. you've been you've been unfit for a while. Postponed, yeah. Sam has uh, somewhat impacted the uh, <laughs> the podcast. Uh, but you're fit and firing now. I you am. Got trousers on for the first time. I am. It's deeply uncomfortable. You made that sound like he's just been walking around <laughs> like butt naked for three months. I've been, I've been we don't know. Shorts. We haven't seen yeah, you. Yeah, I've been in shorts for uh, for for three months. It's uh, three months, three weeks. It's not been the most comfortable, but uh, better now. So yeah, if you listen to our kind of pre-season. Uh, episode you will have heard that we're going to be changing things up slightly we're going to have um listeners bonus points so uh when you finish listening to this episode head across to the twitter uh, or the facebook as well and things like we're going to get that set up as well aren't we sam we um and yeah we'll put a poll up and you can actually decide where your medals would go uh we're going to kind of top those up and at the end of the series we can see how those change change the points totals also listener topics uh, that'll be episode four five and six we'll draw them out at the end of episode three and set up uh, our kind of middle episodes uh, from what you've sent into us. So if you haven't already, think about what uh, you'd like us to debate and do send them into us. And we'll compile those all together. So first episode is my topic uh, this week, and it's greatest transfer flops. Quite timely. The transfer window has, has just passed. The new season's underway. Plenty of new signings uh, to be seen. Some will fly. Some will fall. I want to hear from you guys what you think are the greatest transfer flops throughout footballing history. And Sam, I'm going to start with you for your bronze pick. Well, bronze for me was more... This was more of one that I just personally enjoy a particular story about uh, about this person's move. It was a, a, a disappointing spell. Um, and it's Jonathan Woodgate, Middlesbrough to Real Madrid. And I think when I say there's a particular story about it, I think we all probably know what it is, which was his debut 13 months after he signed for Real Madrid. Wasn't the, wasn't the biggest transfer fee. It was only 13.4 million, but that was back in 2004. So... That's probably about 80, 90 million nowadays. Um, wait, Real Madrid had to wait 13 months for his debut. And on his debut, he scored an own goal in the 25th minute, got booked just before half time, and got sent off. At, I think it's about 66 minutes. After that, he only played about 14 games for Real Madrid. Uh, just had, a, had an abysmal time and then ended up going back to Middlesbrough later on in his career where he ended up being player of the season so he still had it <laughs> he still had it he just didn't ever show it at Real Madrid what do you remember of that transfer? I mean like Sam said that's all I remember of that transfer because it's all anyone ever talks about is you know he, he turned up scored an own goal got booked then got sent off and 
you know, he he struggled with injury a lot in in his in his career. He did. He never and, played th- uh, three straight games mm, for yeah, Real Madrid, and, and particularly at Real Madrid, he struggled with injury. And I think, you know, we there's been a lot of talk this summer about you know players say, from the British yeah. Isles going abroad and quote unquote failing, despite the fact that Gareth Bale's won four Champions Leagues, but. Jonathan Woodgate undoubtedly was a failure at Real Madrid. and What's very interesting, it, though, is he, he is still seen in a very, very good light in Madrid and in Spain. And do you know why? It's because he fully embraced the culture, learnt the language. So although it was and, a, the, and they felt a bit sorry for him. Well, maybe a little bit of that. If we do look at the Gareth Bale comparison, it is interesting that even though the, the transfer went so horribly wrong and he was a complete failure there, maybe that's a bit strong, but he certainly didn't fulfil his potential. I think one of the interesting and, things about the Woodgate transfer was that he went there at a time when they were the Galacticos. Yeah, exactly. Like their their team was ridiculous from from front to back, and you know you get Jonathan Woodgate rocking up, and I don't think at the time he was even the best centre back in England, mm. and he t- he turned up at the Bernabeu and then did that, and you know ended up going back to Middlesbrough. But like you say, he embraced the culture which the Spanish fans loved. Yeah, so. they, they, and they did love him. Um, what was the fee again? Uh, for, uh, it was thirteen point four. Yeah, it's still a lot for the time, wasn't it? It's still a lot for the time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I think for me, when you let us know this topic, this was just the one that immediately popped into my head. And it's not. It's not. It's obviously not the worst. I've got it in bronze, but it's just one that always stands out to me. Whenever you have this kind of conversation, this transfer will always crop up. Mm. And it's interesting, like you say as well, Rob. It's not necessarily ones that the fans hated, but I think so much of that comes from genuine sympathy rather than like you know, sort of anger at how yeah, you, you do were. automatically think, oh, the bad transfers come with that kind of vitriolic hatred yeah. from the fans. But actually, this is one that isn't. But you're right, Woodgate to, to Real Madrid, you know, kind of a, what could have been circumstantial. Interesting pick. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, what's going up against uh, Woodgate to, to Real Madrid then, Callum? Um, it's another Spanish, it's a Spanish player moving to Italy. It's Gaitska Mendieta moving from Valencia to Lazio in 2001 for a fee of 44.7 million euros, which made him the sixth most expensive transfer of all time when he moved. So Mendieta, he was, you know, one of the linchpins of the Valencia side that made two consecutive Champions League finals. Obviously, they'd lost them both to Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, but he was one of those creative midfielders that they relied upon to score goals and get them to that to get them to that stage and he was there for eight years nine years and uh he was probably one of the best players in Europe at the time when he moved to moved to Lazio but he made 20 appearances for Lazio I mean he, he had 200 w- odd for yeah he Valencia, had, I think he? it was like 230 yeah. something for Valencia and he uh he ended he ended up making 20 appearances for Lazio Admittedly, he was being asked to fill in for the departed Pavel Nedved and Juan Sebastian Veron. So there was quite a weight on his shoulders when he arrived in Rome. But for that fee, you'd expect some sort of return. And might, might not be the first time Juan Sebastian Veron. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he was he he didn't score in his twenty appearances and didn't really make much of an impact elsewhere on the pitch before he was shipped off on loan to Barcelona. Not the worst loan in the world. Not the worst loan in the world, but then he was loaned to Middlesbrough. Yes. <laughs> and then it started to go awry. Yeah, well, that's where his career just petered out, and he, he retired after, I think it was three or four years in Middlesbrough, where, you know, the fans loved him in Middlesbrough, but mm. that's because 
he'd been to two consecutive Champions League finals three years previously and you know Middlesbrough's not exactly renowned for its European football so Middlesbrough getting more mentions today than it got the entire first season and probably will be on this episode as well (laughs) well biggest transfer flops is a big reason why Middlesbrough's getting mentions here it was a shame I think he kind of lost the tail end of his real peak years he was no undoubtedly in his peak at, at Valencia but but as you say it went quite awry quite quickly I mean basically four years to the end of his career from that move when you think about that nowadays you know a player moving for that amount of money having been as impactful as he was at his club four years later for his career to be over yeah with, without without it being without <laughs> it being through injury either. yeah exactly like, just he, it just went so wrong it just him. went straight downhill and I think it was the move to Italy that ruined him because their style of play is so much different mm-hmm. um, to to the uh, to the Spanish style. Of hell play. of a hell of a fee for two thousand and what forty forty four point really, seven million that's euros. A lot. Really eye catching, isn't it? Yeah. I, it, I, I saw it and I, my my eyes were watering at that fee. I was like, I, I wouldn't be comfortable spending that kind of money now. Like, yeah, I, it, I still feel weird when my standby players for like thirty million now. It's but in two thousand and one. Just also, just you know, to Lazio, and I know at the time, obviously they were they were a big club. Well, they're more time. of a force than they are now, mm. but but still, it, when you're involving a fee like that, and you're not talking about a Real Madrid or let's just say, for example, a Manchester United, you know, early to mid noughties, that's kind of as you say, eye watering fee for it to go so so badly wrong. Just twenty appearances, essentially half a season. Yeah. It's it's really interesting to me that you you picked this one because this was actually the one I was debating with the Woodgate for my bronze as well. Really? Because they're very they're very different because very this was different. a massive fee. What swung it for me was purely that in two thousand one I don't remember that happening at all. Whereas the Woodgate one I remember mm. you, you know you constantly remember it's something that crops up in conversations fairly frequently. Um, and again, that's probably coming from a very British perspective and the fact that in 2001 I was seven, but I was 10 in 2004. So I sort of remember the Woodgate one happening. I, I don't remember Mendieta. So that's why I chose Woodgate yeah, over Mendieta, but it's a, it's a brilliant transfer. I think the reason I didn't pick a Real Madrid transfer, and I'll say this now, I didn't pick a Real Madrid or Barcelona transfer for any of my three, is because they spend so much money, they're bound to get some of them wrong. You know, that's one they, way of looking at it. They make they make they make so many transfers. Like Real Madrid bought Bassier Illaramendi for like yeah. twenty million when he was twenty, and they sold him like eighteen, 18 months, months later, later or something mm. back to um, Malaga or wherever it was. Sociedad. Sociedad. Um, so you know they they make mistakes like that all the time, and I'm I'm, I'm loath to pick one because they are such big clubs, but they can get away with spending you know 15 million on a player that doesn't work out whereas there are clubs in this world you know Lazio maybe being one of them um yeah now who over 40 million outlay for something that went so wrong is exactly it's, yeah. it's a it's I think a lot of the time it's a question of you know what what the transfer is to the club yeah that, that's the reason I, I sort of did away with the, the Woodgate one pretty early on okay so I'm going to throw now to you for for silver. What in your mind is a worse transfer than Jonathan Woodgate? There's there's quite a big jump I think from Jonathan Woodgate <laughs> to this one. It's everyone's favourite panic buy. It's Andy Carroll, Newcastle to Liverpool for 36 million. I mean, it was just it was such a like snap reaction to the Torres to Chelsea, and it was such an astronomical amount of money for a player who. Ultimately, it's is so unbelievably one-dimensional. Um, 
Well, it's, you it, say it, that. Yeah, you say that, but you're sitting in a room with no, literally but, fans of the two clubs he's played but, for. But for Liverpool, it is the ultimate like square peg in a round hole. Like he didn't fit the system at all. And what I like is on the same day they signed Luis Suarez yeah. for like fifteen million one, pounds less. One thing I would say though is I think I think that comes with hindsight because at the time he had just played for England. I remember, I mean, he was my favourite player at the time when, when the transfer happened in 2011. And he just played for England. Kenny Dalglish was back at Liverpool. They were going to go old school. They thought, you know, let, Andy Carroll was thought then as to be the number nine for England for the next kind of foreseeable future. Ten they, years or so. Yeah, and they were going to literally play him up there, old school, four four two. And you say one-dimensional, and he's one-dimensional now, 100%. He, his body is broken. He's just resigned for us, uh, but <laughs> he's he's still injured and yeah. he's just resigned yeah. for you. But at the time, he I don't think he was one dimensional. He's never had pace. He's always been a big threat in the air, but he had a peg of a left foot, and he, he would. I mean, slam he still does have it to a, to an extent. But. Yeah, and and at, at whatever he was at the time, early twenties, twenty two, I think he was at the time. He would. I, I remember him going to Liverpool and think and then being pretty kind of heartbroken in terms of one of my favourite players has left Newcastle but also gobsmacked the fact we've got £35 million for him. But that's exactly it. It's like the the fee came from the panic of Torres leaving right oh, at yeah. the end of the window. So the story- and there was like, we have got this £50 million, which again, <laughs> at the time was a lot of money. Yeah. And there's this like, we have it's, to spend it. It was the beginnings of the, we've got a huge windfall here, what are we going to do with yeah. it? Now you see clubs sit on that cash and spend it over a number of years. At the time though... The story goes that, that Liverpool approached Derek Lambias, the, the then chief executive of Newcastle, offered £30 million with, I think, four hours of the window to go and £30 million for your academy asset who's had half a season in the Premier League. And Lambias said, no, you're all right. And knowing that they would come back yeah. for thirty-five with two hours left. But, that, but that's exactly it. That, that's, it's bad business. It's just bad business. It's, it's spending a lot of money on a player who ultimately... Did not succeed. Yeah. I, I realise I'm playing kind of devil's advocate here. And I'm saying probably at the time, like with all these transfers, they wouldn't happen if Hindsight they Hindsight is 2020. Yes, like. they, they wouldn't happen if they didn't think they were going to be a success. Um, Andy Carroll was not a success no. at Liverpool. But it, it's I, there is hindsight. Obviously, there's hindsight. It's easy to look back now and say it was a failure. But I do think... I remember on the day, all the talk was, that is a, that is a crazy amount of money for this player. That is a strange... Because it came kind of out of nowhere as well. Like, the Torres went yeah. through, and then all of a sudden, Carroll just sort of came to Liverpool. It wasn't... There wasn't, like, a big summer of willy-won'ty. It was on the day, like, snap decision. It was... Yeah. I, I felt, anyway. Do you remember when it happened? Do you remember thinking, blimey, that's a lot? I think... Or... Oh, well, I, don't, be a success, I, I don't think or... I do, really, because I was more kind of focused on the Torres move to Chelsea mm, for £50 yeah. million, because that was such an astronomical fee um but you know look looking back on it now it it does seem ridiculous that Andy Carroll went for 35 million but as you say he was he was he just broke into the England squad he was one of the linchpins of the side that gained you promotion back to the Premier League and he, you know he he, also, he was, there was no he, other player like him no exactly time. he's i mean still on his day mm. untouchable in the air I just, um, th- I just thought when he's just not had his day for about six years. It, it, it just it makes it stand out even more when you see that they signed Suarez for twenty two point yes. eight on the same day. Yeah. You look at 
the different career paths, I think it's fair to say they've gone in, in drastically different directions for as their sure. careers I, have developed. I remember um, Carroll making his debut for Liverpool against us, actually, I think, weirdly. I might be wrong, but I, I certainly remember him playing for Liverpool against us Didn't very score? very soon after, and he, and he smacked in a left footer mm. from outside the box in the exact same way that he'd done for us against Liverpool a couple of weeks before. And at the time, you know, I do remember thinking, you know, they've got their number nine here, but... One, one, it, one of his six goals in 44 yeah. appearances. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's not a good return. <laughs> um, I think it's quite telling as well that six, six million pounds a goal. Liverpool at the time were yeah, they were not the Liverpool they are now. They were still kind of that malaise around kind of sixth, seventh in the table, desperately trying to come back. Um, I, I'll just say the two words: Maxi Rodriguez. Um, he was <laughs> still occupying that uh, position on the wing. I thought it would crop up. Especially with our allegiances, I thought it would crop up. You um, thought it would be me, though, didn't you? Possibly. What's your silver, Callum? <laughs> um, it is a West Ham transfer, but it's not Andy Carroll. Um, it's West Ham's 2009 uh, signing from Brescia, the Serie B club. At the time, he became our record signing for £9 million. A young German-Ugandan player called Savio Ensereco. I mean, who is exactly what you wanted me to say, isn't it? Right. Not a household name. (laughs) R-E-K-O. Not a household name in his own house. Well, there's there's a reason, and that's... Well, no. Nine nine million from the second division. Do you know what? Weirdly, Sam said not a household name in his own house, and he he couldn't be more right, because I'm going to tell you a story about him after I've told you about the transfer and how bad he was. Uh, So, Savio... Before he joined West Ham for uh, for £9 million, he had made 22 senior appearances in three seasons in Serie B. I should also say at this point, he's a striker. He scored three goals in the Italian second division in three seasons. He joined West Ham in 2009, took the number 10 shirt, made 10 appearances such a West Ham signing <laughs> made 10 appearances in one season scored no goals got a fluky assist against Man City and then was sold to Fiorentina the following season for two and a half million pounds from Fiorentina he went sounds like quite a good return to be honest he went on, lo- he went on loan to the following teams from Fiorentina Bologna 1860 Munich Chernomorets Burgas Juve Stabia Vaslui and SPVGG Unterhaching in Germany he then went to Victoria Korn, Atariu, Bero, Liatava, Jonava, Pippinsried, Viraya, <laughs> and he's currently <laughs> so playing. That one got me then. He's playing for uh, Armin München at the moment. I tell you what, he, seven, seven goals in seven games for Armin München. He's really found his feet. Yeah. Uh, well, before that, he had scored four professional goals. Wow. So, so I'm looking. Yeah, I've got uh, the wiki troll. I've got, <laughs> I've got his pro- professional career up here. 2006 to current day, we've got, let's just top this up some quick maths, 11 goals. Yeah, it's 11 goals in maybe less than 100 You'd take up a career in table tennis, surely, wouldn't you? If if you're a striker... Let's not not disrespect table tennis. Okay, you wouldn't take up a career in football. Yeah. Let's put it that way. You'd probably call it a day. Um, So, yeah. He played Germany under 16, 19 and under 20. He's got to have had something. Well, evidently not. <laughs> like ten, I mean, I know ten appearances and no goals is, you know, a, a, a pretty pretty slim picking for a a striker. But you know, you'd think he'd have something to him. 
I, my, right, my argument against this as a, as a pick would be, and it kind of, I'm going to sort of echo, I can't remember if you said this just before we started or just after mm. we started, when you said, I don't pick Real Madrid or Barcelona players because they spend so much money that they're bound to be some flops. Here you go. Or oh, West Ham always pick, uh, West Ham always buy really crap strikers. Well, you've said it. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to say it now. West, I mean, picking West Ham's poor striking transfer flops. It, I mean, you have so you many well options. We could have done a top three West Ham striker flops well, as a category. I mean, this is this is in here because it was our record signing at the time. Like nine million pounds wasn't wasn't a fee that West Ham put out in two thousand and nine. Does this not stink a little bit of maybe there was a an agent involved or us like somehow this deal got done for non-footballing reasons honestly I think it might have just got, been, a, got a little bebe twinge to it it might it? have just had the Icelandic owners stink all over it because they didn't really handle the club particularly well in the late noughties so you know we times have changed <laughs> we live in hope but I mean you know it nine nine million pounds at that time for a, a club which was battling relegation really Oh, were you in the Prem at this point? I just assumed you yeah. were in the Championship. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Have some respect, Sam. Um, no, we're in the in the Premier League and spending £9 million on a striker was, you know, oh, this guy's going to be great. And, you know, it was... It Again, was, there, it was £9 pre, million in... It was pre-Twitter and things like that. So there wasn't, you know... Pre-dubstep pre, 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 YouTube pilot. Exactly. There was, there was no welcome to, welcome to West Ham, Savio Ensereco, goals and assists and skills. Which would have been... Three goals or whatever you said. It, I mean, it, it would have been a third, it would have been a vine. He didn't have a YouTube compilation video. <laughs> no, this is pre vine. Yeah, it? <laughs> it would it would have been a vine if it existed. But he's and then let me just tell you a little story about Savio Ensereco from October 2012. He was arrested by the police in Thailand for faking his own kidnapping and trying to extort twenty five thousand pounds out of his family in ransom money. So. Allegedly. Yeah, he's not even the biggest name in his own house, Sam. His family don't like him. That's, uh, that's cool. So, not only was he... I mean, now I feel sorry for him. Not only was he crap, he was... <laughs> well, if he's turning to... Not only was he crap, like he was that. also clearly tapped in the head. Okay. So, well, all right. that's, that's... Before we go any further, we're on shaky ground here. Um, <laughs> um, moving... like allegedly. Yeah, moving on. Um... I mean, it's bizarre. I didn't think we'd... I mean, I thought we'd get a, a West Ham striker, but I maybe didn't think that uh, Ensereco... I've forgotten uh, his name already. Yes. <laughs> you just call him Savio. That was on the back of his shirt. Okay. Uh, f- f- for the limited time that he was in Claret and Blue. There's got to be... There, there if, must, if you've there got must, one out there and you're listening to this podcast, please must be send someone. us a photo. There must yeah. be so. I'll buy it off him. Right, Sam, your, your picks so far have, have very much had a, a British... Side to them, uh, Woodgate to Real Madrid, Carroll to Liverpool. What for you is the worst transfer in history? Well, my trend continues. All three of mine have very much been picked on me remembering kind of the transfers happening and then the fallout from the transfers. And this one, I just remember coming with so much expectation and it just all falling so ridiculously flat. And it's Andrew Shevchenko, AC Milan to Chelsea for £30 million. Back in 2006, this one, unlike the other two, the Carroll one, you questioned straight away. The Woodgate one, you're a bit like, you, you didn't expect too much. This one, he came in from AC Milan as a player who'd scored 127 goals in 208 appearances. He was a Ballon d'Or winner a couple of years before. Um, and so he came in 
looking to just boost this Chelsea team that was already unstoppable. It won the league twice in a row. He was supposed to be the catalyst to take them on to uh, to European Cup glory, and it just all it just all went wrong. He came in, he didn't fit into the system at all. He was trying to play alongside Drogba and they were just incompatible up front. It made Drogba unhappy. This again was before we knew the Mourinho third season syndrome as well. So we didn't realise that this was a regular thing. was him yeah. breaking players <laughs> um, in breaking his third season. And then halfway through the season, Mourinho sort of panicked and shoved him out on the right wing in one mm. of the most bizarre sort of tactical moves of all time. And it just, it, it was just the, the, the expectation that came with this transfer of, of Chelsea fans being like, he is going to be the guy. And a year later, when they were in a Champions League final, he didn't play the entire game, sat on the bench for 120 minutes. He was, I would argue, past his peak. I think he was 29 when he made the move. He was 29 yeah. when he made the move, but I don't think he was past his peak when he moved. I think no. he fell off a cliff very quickly yeah. once he arrived. I, I also but, think that he was a striker who arguably his whole career... His game was never really suited to the Premier League. No, and that that was I the think other it's thing, an but... example of, of being at a club that just suited him down to the ground. Being in a league that suited, you know, Milan. He was just that fulcrum for so many years. Well, I mean, and he got to play alongside. I mean, if you think you think of the two thousand and five team that oh. that played the final against Liverpool, yeah. he had he had Kaka, Crespo, Pirlo. Like he had unbelievable players, and I mean, Chelsea had an unbelievable team when he when he arrived there as well, but. Different level, different level. AC Milan, you know, they won the won the two thousand and seven Champions League, and I mean, he was. You're you're so right. A little bit past his peak, but I I just don't think his game fit Chelsea at all. Yeah. And you think you think about it, and it's like, obviously, looking back on it, you're like, well, obviously, his game didn't fit. But I don't know how they didn't see that at the time. That, that's what I was going to say. Is that that's something in hindsight that is so it's so crystal clear. But at the time. It, it, at the time, you don't necessarily look at the style of play. When you when you sign a player, usually the first thing you do is, oh, how many goals did they score last year? Mm. You don't sort of go, oh, how did they score those goals? Don't you think you it stinks go, oh, of a transfer, which was this was so common at, at that time, mid-2000s, late-2000s, a player signed by the board and not by the manager? Absolutely. But I, mean, I think it was indicative of Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea because in particular. they just got their money... And they were signing. They just spoken like a true West Ham. They just they got just their got money. their money. They just became a football club and got all their fans. It was only their third year <laughs> as a club, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Third year of their history. Um, and but they they'd gone through the likes of like Matthias Kesman and players like that, and you know they were just like, oh well, he he doesn't fit. We'll ship him out. Mm, we'll bring Shevchenko like in for money thirty million. And and... They had Crespo and they had God knows who else up front, and you know the one constant the entire time was Didier Drogba. There was just there was there was just I just remember you say there was Kesman, there was obviously Mutu as well, and players yeah. like that. But there was something about Shevchenko that when he came in. Chelsea fans in particular, I remember having one friend at school, a Chelsea fan, he just went, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going <laughs> to take us to a Champions League. And I laughed very hard when he was wrong. Because, you know, everyone enjoys, every, every non-Chelsea fan enjoys Chelsea's uh, failure. Even beyond Chelsea, I know there's a lot of kind of hatred for the new money in that, but I think everyone seeing a player like Shevchenko arrive from what he did in that incredible Milan team... A what if, I think. A what if. £30 million again, 2006. Hell of a lot of money. Mm. Um, and high profile. Nine goals in 48 appearances. Ticks all the boxes. That's what I was after. I remember in Shevchenko's second season as well, and this is one of the other reasons I like it, was um, 
uh, Forest fans had a massive sign in their ground that said like Shevchenko 30 million Sean Wright Phillips 20 whatever million two European Cups priceless (laughs) (laughs) nice right Callum uh, what is your greatest transfer flop don't you hate it when you get the same club as number one for both transfers oh dear Chelsea have had some shockers in their time (laughs) haven't they Um, but it's not a striker it is a Dutch defender by the name of Winston Bogard so Winston Bogard started his career in 1988 and he didn't move to Chelsea until the year 2000 when he was 30 years old well 29-30 so he was about the same age that um, Shevchenko was when he moved he had previously played for Sparta Rotterdam, Ajax, AC Milan and Barcelona. Uh, and Chelsea bought him from Barcelona after he played 41 games for them in two seasons. But Chelsea signed him while Gianluca Vialli was manager. Gianluca Vialli had no idea Winston Bogard was going to be there. He just turned up at training one day and there's a, there's a big Dutch centre-back at, at the back just heading balls away. So Vialli had to deal with a player coming in that he didn't know and I'll just give you his appearance stats for Chelsea he was there from 2000 to 2004 he scored no goals in nine games nine games in four years nine games in four years um, you know they'd they'd shipped off Emerson Tome to um, Sunderland and they brought in Winston Bogard after Mario Melchior had said, you know, Chelsea's great, come to Chelsea, like great atmosphere, great fans, great ground, blah, blah, blah. So basically sold it to Bogard and he'd, he'd come in and been like, this is great, I'm going to be, like, Mario said the fans are going to love me, I'm going to be playing every week in front of 40,000 people in one of the best leagues in the world. The difference was Bogard wasn't actually very good, but he was being paid £40,000 a week in 2000. And Chelsea tried to ship him off. They tried to send him on loan. They tried to sell him. And just, every single time, he just said, "No, you're right. I've got 40, 40 grand a week. I'm just going to sit." I'm, and he t- thing is, he turned up to training every day. And they put him. They put him with the reserves. They put him with the 18s to try and force him out of the door. And he said, "Well, if you're dumb enough to pay me 40 grand a week, I'm just going to stay here, rode out the rest of his contract, retired, and walked off into the sun." Yeah. Winston Bogard is the hero we all need. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's certainly playing it well for himself. A couple of things I'm confused about. I thought we just established Chelsea was only founded in 2003. <laughs> so I'm not sure how they could have been making transfers in 2000. That's very confusing. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a flop. It's a it's, story of greed, in it, my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say... He went to a World Cup. He went to a European Championships with, with Holland. He was not your... It wasn't a marquee signing no, by any stretch. And, but he also wasn't your Savio and Sorecco, your kind of complete yeah. pick out of the out of obscurity. Um, uh, only with a, a, a very questionable character, I think, do you get this story. Is that, would you agree? It stinks of like a third choice Premier League keeper, doesn't it? I like, think so, but at the same time, you get... Was the expectation... Put it this way. Was the transfer, I don't think, I don't was the think transfer he necessarily... done with, with the idea that there was a huge expectation on him? I mean, he was a 29-year-old centre-back, so you'd have to think that he was. they were planning on playing him and him being somewhat a part of a team that was pushing for Europe and you know trying to improve and eventually being taken over by Russian oligarchs. Mm. 
Um, no Premier League appearances in his last three seasons when he just sat literally there and did nothing. Yeah, and I think you would love that as a job, wouldn't you? Colin? I think he, you know, he had a really good point. If Chelsea, if Chelsea are going to pay him forty grand a week, and he said it himself, like no other club would have offered him that kind of money. You know, he he clearly wasn't on that money at Barcelona, or else he wouldn't have left Barcelona if that was his if that was his mindset. Mm. So he would he wouldn't have left Barcelona to go to Chelsea. Um, if he was on good money, and then you know, if Chelsea want to pay him forty grand a week, Chelsea can pay him forty grand a week. He still turned up to training, so there was no, there was no commitment issue. It was just the fact that you know, quality issue. He can have. Well, I, d- I don't even necessarily think it was a quality issue. I tell you the one thing it does do, Rob. It gives you a very interesting decision. Yeah, so I'm kind of starting. You've probably seen me head down to the laptop. I'm starting to yeah. now think about where I'm going to go with this. Um, I deliberately. Uh, a la Callum Series 1 came into this with no real expectations just wanted to see what you do you, what you, do you have a criteria with. you must have Not, had some in, like I some had, in your mind I did and, and I kind of laid it out at the end of the, the pre-season pod which was I kind of wanted the the greatest combination of all the factors so mm. kind of you know let's just say price status expectation you know, maybe a big club as well um, but that being said there's been some really interesting picks from both of you for me the bronze is quite an easy pick so I'm going to go for that initially um, Callum's taking the bronze uh, I'm okay with that I got to tell Jonathan Woodgate's debut story on the podcast so I can live with that <laughs> <laughs> um, Mendieta again it's, it's the time as well another little factor 44.7 million in 2001 hell of a lot of money a player who had achieved so much at Valencia to go and do so little at Lazio and then as you know, as Callum told the story quite eloquently, his career just kind of going completely downhill from there. And essentially the waste of a player because the transfer went wrong. I think you could probably agree. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like, well, Sam's used the phrase before on this podcast, square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think he'd necessarily fit the Italian league and that's why he failed. Silver is tough. So no, no, it's not. Because you've got your high-profile transfer... Versus your kind of obscure was never gonna. I'm going Carroll to Liverpool, okay. I think because, okay. and the reason I say that is that I don't. Although it was a pluck out of nowhere for West Ham, silly money still. Nine million pounds is wouldn't have necessarily hurt them too much. I think there's been greater outlays for. Um, maybe not quite so little return. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think if the fee had been, I'd argue if the fee had been bigger. I mean, this was it was at a time when West Ham were struggling financially. There was there was some serious unrest on the board and things like that. But you know, maybe I should have mentioned that when I was doing my answer. But it's fine. You've chosen too, now. too late. Too late now. Yeah, I think the Carroll to Liverpool because of the expectation of what he could have been and should have been, and to never fulfil that kind of expectation and again I think we get to a point now where funnily enough he's returned to Newcastle eight years after he left eight years where he's achieved very very little in his career 35 million pound England international I'm gonna have to give Sam the silver so then Shevchenko against Bogard it's Shevchenko sorry Callum here we go this season started (laughs) exactly how we expected it to oh dear something's changed something's don't Mm mm-hmm Unfortunately, I think 
and I was ex- I was expecting you to to go for a Shevchenko or a Varane or something. You know, I thought the bronze and the silver you might you could easily argue the obscure picks, which um, I think Callum has arguably done and done very well. But I was always expecting gold to have to be a big name signing yeah. for lots of money to a big club, and uh, I think Shevchenko is just the epitome of of a transfer flop. Callum's lips are pursing. I'm just having a look. Don't worry, I'm I'm not bitter. <laughs> he, he said through gritted teeth. The Bogard move is, as as you say, Callum, it's kind of the epitome of of not getting what you wanted out of a player. But I would argue that's maybe a little bit more. It doesn't have. It doesn't come with that expectation. Maybe that not. Fee, but also, I would argue the... that I think it's probably the player's approach which has made that happen. Um, and, and the. And I'm not blaming him. God, it's like nice. No, he's forty he's... grand a week just to sit there, and and, mm. and as you say, Cam, to just retire and ride off into the sunset is such a is such an fu to oh, the it's, club. It's such a it? massive middle finger to um, the club. But uh, unfortunately, again, because it maybe didn't quite come with the expectation, uh, the price tag and what it kind of could have been. What Ballon d'Or winner, one of the top players it, in the world. It? I think Shevchenko was going to take it. So, Callum takes the point. For, for bronze and then it's uh, it's five for Sam so it's strong, for silver, strong, ty- for strong title defence begin um, terrible sentence but sentiment was there I'm sorry just just remember well, how we've, well we've had ten episodes of this now Rob so <laughs> what was, how many points did you give me compared to Callum last, was it, you gave me 12 yeah, it was, it was and Callum 2 so you've now given me 17 and Callum 3 so. <laughs> but that's that's the way the cookie crumbles on three sports <laughs> rankings. Um, I thought this was going to be different. <laughs> there's a long way to go yet. That's right, you um, can win points next week. There's a, there's a long way to go yet, and the gap's only going to get wide. And we have the Twitter poll. Remember, guys, jump on the Twitter and, and let us know uh, what you think. We'll put all the, the medals there for you to, to dish out to who would have got bronze, silver, and gold. That was uh, Premier League Flops, uh, Series 2, Episode 1. Callum, you're oh, next. Oh, it's me next week. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Um, no, no points for you to win next week. Well, that's good because it means I can't be beaten 6-0 either. So. True. Um, next week is Greatest Sporting Families. So, um, you know, I want there to be a nice kind of balance, if you can, between the number of members of... The number of family members, that was a horrible sentence. <laughs> uh, the number, the number was it, of... Was it even a sentence? The numbers of members of families, yeah. uh, the number of family members and the quality of the family yeah. members. I guess so, kind of similar to what we've just done. You're looking for a mixture of... Yeah, the a nice of balance. The ...parameters and the, the factors there. Okay. Some instantly come to mind, but I think the fact that you're kind of wanting sprawling, multi-generational families There's there's well. There's... there's there's two or three that come to mind like that, but okay, you know, I think a little bit of research could could unearth a few absolute gems, so it might be worth. <laughs> Sam's just like William sisters, Murray brothers, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have to remember. I have to remember there are sports other than tennis. I'm pretty proud of myself for not mentioning tennis until now in the first we, episode. Well, of the I mean, series. Yeah, we got a, we got a tennis free episode purely because it was entirely football based. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can't do transfers into I think Andrei Shevchenko also once played tennis. Fun fact. <laughs> I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be a good one. There's, there's space there for some 
as you say, some quality kind of niche finds. Uh, sporting families it is then for, for episode two of series two. Um, as you say, remember, jump on the social media. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Also, fire in some of your topics that you'd like us to discuss. Remember, we're going to be doing listener topics, episode four, five, and six. Um, Sam, there's a little update on the social media situation. Three sports rankers now titled the same across all of our platforms and Facebook as well. Yes, it will be three, the number three rather than written out three sports rankers for all. That's our and excuse we will have, for not getting yeah. over 50 followers or whatever it is. Yes, we will have a uh, we will have a Facebook as well this season. Cool. That, those followers were uh, equestrian accessories aside. They, they, have, they have now listened to the podcast and have all left and us. Unfollowed. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Uh, enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back for Sporting Families Callum's Topic in series two episode two and don't forget to vote for me on the twitter poll <laughs>